Uh, you maybe read in your newspapers this week that Meghan Markle's former friend and agent uh, advised her before she got married, don't marry Harry. The reason for it was, according to Meghan's friend, was that you marry him, your life will be wrecked by the British media. I think we already see some uh, early signs uh, of that, and clearly Meghan, like Rehoboam, chose to ignore the advice and went ahead and married Harry, and life looks a little tough for them uh, right now. But I want you just to think about this this morning, and that is, how well do you handle advice? I'm pretty sure that most of you could think of a moment in your life when somebody you know, somebody you might even love, somebody you trust offers you a word of advice, but you go with Frank Sinatra and do it your way. I want to talk to you this morning about listening. And it's very difficult to kind of teach people how to listen, but I'm going to embark on what might be an unwise uh, exercise. Because this session today, They Don't Listen, is built around a course which is about uh, wisdom and growing older. So I'm assuming that the idea of being wise is, today at least, wise people listen to the right kind of advice, to godly advice. And I think that's a problem for us immediately because I sense that in our culture, we're only likely to take advice that we feel comfortable with. Advice that kind of generally agrees with the direction of travel uh, that we want to take. I wonder how many parents of teenage children have had that debate where you advise your child, you should go to university first and get the security of a degree behind you, only to discover that your kid would much rather go to Thailand for three months. Or how many of you have had something that's a kind of minor concern medically. And somebody you love says, you know what, you should go and get that check medically. But you know better, and then suddenly you are really ill. I want to talk to you about three things this morning. The first is, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, listening to God. I want to talk to you about listening for godly advice. And I want to talk to you about, once you've listened to God and once you've sought godly advice, I want to give you a word of advice, and that is go do it. So when I say, is that all right, I recognize you have no choice at all. So first of all, uh, let's just think for a moment uh, about listening to God. The background to our reading is Rehoboam who was the son of Solomon, who, of course, within Judaism today and Judaism then, was regarded as the wisest person who ever inhabited the planet. One of the commentators on this passage makes this comment, 
Um, Solomon was very young when he became king of Israel, but he was very wise from the get-go. Rehoboam took it on at, the age, at age 40 and was without wisdom whatsoever. And the example that we have here is, it's interesting that um, some of you again have seen on your television screens the dreadful uh, rioting in Iraq, where the people are saying, this government is dysfunctional, it's too hard, we're paying too many taxes, there are no jobs, we've got no earnings, it's horrible, so they're out on the streets demonstrating. And unfortunately, the government is repressive and thinks that if people complain about their lot, they should be shot. Well, in Rehoboam's time, it was a bit like that. Solomon had governed the uh, United Kingdom of Israel. It was subsequently breaking apart, and Rehoboam became the king of Judah. And Rehoboam did what most wise kings would do to start with. He went to the elders of the tribe, and he said to them, listen, uh, there's problems here. And the people are very dissatisfied. And the advice of the elders was, lighten their yoke. Make life easier for them. Rehoboam really didn't want to hear that advice. It probably would have affected the treasury uh, and would have affected his lifestyle. So he goes to his mates, the young people, the kind of equivalent of the entitled of that time, and says to them, what do you say I should do? They say, you go and tell them. Your yoke is going to get heavier and heavier. And the rest of the story is, what follows from that? You see, put your hand up if you think Rehoboam was wise to take the advice of the youngsters. You're brighter than you look. Of course. It was a foolish thing that he did. And so, look, I want to talk to you about um, listening to God first and foremost, simply because one of the most chilling verses in the New Testament you'll find in Matthew 7, where Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. See, there's a problem immediately, isn't there? And that is, how do I separate out God's will for my life from my will for my life? How is it that I might be able to find my true north in life, find out exactly what it is that God wants me to do with my life? Or do I just follow my own urges and instincts well, I want to suggest to you, before I talk about the five ways that you can uh, listen to God, I want to say this, that in the Bible, Bible Sunday, thought I'd give it a mention, in the Bible, there are basically two kinds of advice, and one kind of advice predominates, and it's this, what God wants all his people to know. So in the Bible saying, don't be a fornicator, don't be a liar, don't use, you know, don't behave like a moron. I'm obviously praising. 
It's not like some of us can be morons and some of us can't, or some of us can be fornicators and say, no, that's advice for all God's people, for our well-being. The God who created you knows what's best for you, and the Bible reveals to us, in part, what is best for us. The Bible also, I think, can guide us individually. Uh, You may have examples. I mean, I'm not suggesting that you know, the best way to seek God's advice is to kind of just flick through the pages, open them at random, and then read a verse. I read about a man who did that, and it said Judas went and hanged himself. So he thought, I'll give this another shot. He did exactly the same thing. It said, go, go thou and do likewise. But the Bible, if you read it regularly, you will be surprised how often it speaks straight into your situation. The other day, I really lost perspective over an issue in my life. I was so stressed out by what was happening to me, and so kind of out of control of what was happening to me. I'm like, I don't get this, I'm depressed, you know, maybe I should go and see a doctor, whatever. And then I read my daily reading online, and it reminded me, that whatever I'm feeling, God is still sovereign. And whatever happens to me, God has my best interests at heart. And I was able, just in that simple reading of Scripture, to recover some perspective. So, five ways that you can discern the will of God. The first is the Bible. I've talked about that. But I want to encourage you, and this fits well with Bible Sunday, which incidentally, I didn't even know it was Bible Sunday when I walked in here. Bible Sunday used to be the second Sunday in Advent, according to us old codgers. Remember that famous collect, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest? That's the collect for the second Sunday in Advent, not the Sunday in the middle of nowhere. Uh, That's not my point. My point is that that if you read the scriptures regularly, you will find, not every day, but you will find that when you're facing an issue in life, very often your reading for the day will speak straight into that situation. Is that magic? No, it's not. It's because our God wants to communicate with you. And one of the primary ways that God communicates with us is through his word. The second thing is, and this is obvious, God guides us through prayer, through earnestly seeking his will. Of course he does. And there's a problem with that in our culture, that we tend to move at too high speed to ever sit down and pray and listen to God. We seem to think that fast-moving, microwaved existence is a good way to live, But actually, if you live like that, in the end, it very likely will make you ill. Uh, Isaiah the prophet said, race around and know that I am God. Actually, he never said that. He said, be still. Be still and know that I am God. And unless we can build some stillness into our lives, unless we can turn off the microwave that drives us, we will find it harder to hear God. The third thing is, 
And this is tricky. The third way that God guides us is through Christian friends. A burden shared is a burden halved, is a well-known proverb that actually comes from Galatians chapter 6, where the great apostle writes these words. He says, share your burdens with one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. You've got an issue, go talk to somebody. But we've all got Christian friends. I have many friends uh, like this. They're friends, but they're also keen to please me. So when I ask for advice, they will always tell me what they think I want to hear. You know what I mean when I say people pleasers? They're people pleasers. And actually, I don't need that kind of advice. I don't need people just to agree with me, although my wife thinks I do. (laughs) I need people who will challenge you. I used to constantly say to my senior management team when I was um, in Bristol, just because I think something doesn't mean it's right. But show me I'm wrong. So you need a very particular kind of Christian friend. And it's the kind of friend who loves you enough to tell you the truth. And they don't grow on trees, in my opinion. And we can be a little frustrated by them because they don't tell us what we want to hear. And they will say this, I remember that, I mentioned it once, I won't tell it's an entirety, but when Jackie Pullinger... Uh, told her mum and dad before, when she was, before she went to university God's told me to get on a boat uh, they thought the parents we thought the best way to bring this to an end is to get her to go and see the local vicar he's bound to scotch you so they sent him to see old Colin Ford in West Croydon Colin Ford is a great guy he's all a bit cool blimey you know. and um, so uh, she goes in to see him. She says, God's told me to get on a boat. Well, sweetheart, he says, if God's told you to get on a boat, you better blooming well get on one. <laughs> Parents left the church. Stopped their tithe. See, sometimes God's word to us is not what we want to hear. In fact, I would encourage you When somebody speaks to you, somebody you trust and somebody who loves you enough to tell you the truth speaks to you in a way that you don't want to hear, I would double check, treble check whether or not this is the right thing rather than reject it straight away because it's not what I want to hear. I think Rehoboam's a pretty good example of what I'm talking about, do you? The elders say to him, Lighten the yoke of these poor people. You're killing them. So he goes to the youngsters, the ones whose lifestyle probably would be undermined if they lightened the yoke and lowered the taxation, etc., etc. And he says, you know, that terrible thing. I'm not going to go down Russ's uh, line and explain to you the particular part of the anatomy the Hebrew refers to. But let's just say it's rude what he says. English Bibles say his finger is thicker than, uh, you know, Solomon's waist. Work it out. 
Look, we need people who will give us wise advice. And if we're going to grow older and grow wiser, then we need to really be in touch with these people. And some of you inhabit this congregation. Some of you are wise people, and I hope that those people who've been... uh, You know, if you've been a Christian for a while and and you have a residue of wisdom in your life, you are a resource. You know, you need to encourage um, those of us who are struggling with decisions, those of us who are younger. Incidentally, I've said this to you before, but don't forget, growing older in itself doesn't make you wiser. Okay? Some of the most childish people I know are my age. Just the act of growing older doesn't make you grow wiser. You can become more foolish. Like, you know, you can go and cash in your pension or something to go and buy a Range Rover, whatever. The fourth way is what I call closed doors and open doors. In Acts chapter 16, and I'm not quite sure what St. Paul meant here, but he refers to a situation where he says, we wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow us. I call that a closed door. And, and in my life, I've tried to, and I, let me say, I have got guidance wrong. You know, I'm not speaking to you as some kind of expert. I, I've got it wrong. I think, on reflection, I should never have said yes to becoming a bishop. Right? I think I may have been seduced by the very thought that somebody who is such a regenerate sinner as I was should take up that role. I loved being an archdeacon. I know, weird. But I never, I never thought I was the right material to be a bishop. I didn't take enough advice. I didn't take enough counsel. But I'd always worked on the basis, if the door opens, walk through it. If it shuts, God will open another door for you. I think that's a good way to think. Stops you getting depressed when something doesn't work out in your life. I think it's a viable way. You know, if if there's an opportunity, push on the door, see what happens. And maybe you will find your true north if you walk through that door. If it shuts, God will open another door of opportunity uh, for you. And the fifth thing is what I call close encounters of a weird kind. That is, and and a wise preacher once told me that God uses weird stuff to guide you when you've been deaf to the other four areas. So what's weird stuff? It could be God speaks to you clearly in a dream. You know, the fact that Gentiles in the early church were included in the church came off the back of a dream that Peter had. Where he had this weird vision of every kind of animal uh, in a sheet, I mean, you know, obviously needs a therapist, but, uh, yeah, but, but Peter was convicted. God had said to him, this new gospel is not just for Jewish people, it's for Gentiles. It's for people like you. Someone say amen. Oh, all right. <laughs> so let me recap for a moment. Five ways. The Bible. One. Two, praying. Three, Christian friends who love us enough to tell us the truth. Four, closed doors, open doors. Five, weird stuff. 
And then somebody told me that if you're the pilot of a ship in the Mediterranean and you want to get into the harbour at Naples, if you're the pilot, what you have to do is you have to line up five lights in front of you, fix your position, and you can sail straight ahead into the harbour. And nobody's ever said to me, so line up all five aspects of this verse, but what they did say was, don't just go on one. Line up more than one of those five in order to proceed and hopefully discover God's will. And you can still make mistakes. I've just admitted to one. It's not the only one. You know, I could keep you here till lunchtime. It's not the easiest assignment knowing what God's will is for you. But, and to close, what I want to say is, on this front, is that um, when you do make a mistake, I think God can kind of re, you know, accommodate that. And you can get beyond it. I'll come back to that. The second thing is, and I've talked enough about it, so I'm not going to talk to you uh, too much more, but... Um, y- we listen to God, we listen to the wise advice of godly friends. Choose some friends who love you enough to tell you the truth. And look for the man, woman of God, and consult with them. See, when I got the offer of becoming an archdeacon out of the blue, I didn't even know what the job was, to be honest. So I went to see a man I know to be godly and who would speak the truth lovingly to me. I went to see him in London, he was the Archdeacon of London at the time. I went to see him, I said, I got this letter out of the blue. First thing that happened is, he had a horrific nosebleed all over my job description. <laughs> I'm like, is this from you, Lord? You know, what's that mean? And the second thing is, this is what he said. He said, I feel constrained to say to you, Mike, unless you can think of a great reason for not doing this, you better go and do it. That was it. I thought, he's right. I tried to think of a great reason. And I couldn't. And and do you know what? I felt I made far more of a difference in that role than I ever did as a bishop. So you can still get it wrong. But if you're a healthy Christian, your earnest desire will be to do what God wants for you in your life. And of course, if you have discerned what God wants, then you better go and do it. Um, there can't be anything more messing up of your spiritual life, Kinder, that when you discern something and you decide to just not go ahead with it. Men came to see me who was retiring, is a man who's had an amazing life at the center of kind of uh, civic society in Bristol. And he came to me and he said, oh, you know what? I said, what? He said, I've worked for 40 years of my life. He said, the people who, who, you know, I talk to tell me I've made a difference. He said, I have never, ever felt fulfilled. Because when I was 25, I felt God called me to ordination and I turned my back on that. He said, and people say to me, 
you would have never have had as much influence as that as a vicar. <laughs> um, it would probably be my experience, actually. But it was interesting. He sat there saying that. I sat there saying, you know what? I said yes to being ordained, and I wonder whether I ever should have, like you're wondering now. God kind of weaves, you know, your mistakes into a pattern. So let me just tell you the most wonderful story to close of a thing that went horrendously wrong and God did an amazing thing through it. So the vicar of Loudwater in Buckinghamshire decided under God that he and his church would circulate the Jesus video to the 4,000 households in the parish. They raised the money to buy them. They got the people to volunteer to go and stick them through letterboxes in the parish. 24 hours after the first deliveries, there was a phone call in the vicarage. The vicar picked up the phone. He said, yes. He said, is that the vicar? He said, yes, the vicar. He said, you know that video? He said, I don't think it's about Jesus. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I've got a Jesus video in a Jesus packet he said but it's a movie called When Harry Met Sally (laughs) and I don't know how this happened but it got kind of circulated and a local paper the Bucks Free Press ran this thing was like Vickers circulates porn to every house in the parish (laughs) how about this the very fact that that was in the paper meant that everybody watched it and only one of the uh, DVDs they circulated was Harry Met Sally, the rest were the Jesus videos. <laughs> and I spoke at the opening night of the Alpha Group in the church. There were 360 people at it. <laughs> Remember what God said in Romans 8 and verse 28? All things work together for good to them that love God. <clears throat> See, I'm telling you how you might listen to God, how you might listen to your Christian friends, how you might get wise advice that may make you a little wiser. But I'm saying to you for crying out loud, don't go through your life with a lily-livered spirit, terrified that you might make a mistake. Because when you do make a mistake, if you make it honestly, God will weave it back into the pattern of your life. I was once in Turkey, and um, we were on a a tour. It was like the um, six churches, uh, seven churches in the book of Revelation, and we were visiting every site in Turkey. Um, Here's my advice, never do that. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a bit disappointing to find out that the church in Smyrna is now a multi-story car park, That's not my point. My point was, like often happens on these tours, it's prearranged that you will be taken to various places that produce knickknacks and local kind of stuff. So we went to a carpet place. And there's all these ladies hand-doing these carpets. And and, um, somebody said, well, so what happens when you make a mistake? Because they can't, you know, they're doing it from the back of the carpet, so they can't see the front. They said, oh, well, when we look at it, we just redo it. And where we redo it, the carpet's stronger. 
where there was a mistake. And well, you know, I'll take that. Because I've made mistakes, and you've made mistakes, and we'll probably continue to make mistakes. But please, God, never let our mistakes be that we refuse to listen to God, that we refuse to take godly advice, or we did both and then stayed home. Let's pray.